0: everybody. It's so good to sing together, uh, to gather together, uh, to hear uh, the praises of God's people together. Uh, God is so good to us, is he not? I'll take that as a yes. Uh, God is is indeed so good to us and and we're so grateful for uh, the opportunity to gather together Uh, We are so grateful for the opportunity to hear one another sing praises to the Lord. You may not realize uh, just how significant of a thing that is, Uh, but we learn from places like Ephesians that there is a cosmic significance to our singing together. Uh, that we're not just singing to one another and we're not just singing to the Lord but we're singing that the uh, that our neighbors would hear that the nations would hear and even to the invisible realm that the that the cosmic forces would would be on notice that there is a risen king and a risen savior and and he is not one to be taken lightly and so we gather together to declare that uh, to encourage one another uh, that we are indeed on the right track uh, if we are on the track that leads to Christ and his kingdom uh, and so i know that as we go through week after week and 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 day by day and all the things that go on in uh, in a day's time uh, there's so many things that can distract us and derail us and yet we have the opportunity to gather once again, to kind of set each other, recalibrate one another. And we do so through our singing and we do so through our encouraging one another. And, and even something as simple as just giving someone a hug and just reminding them uh, of the love of Jesus. Uh, that is uh, not something that we just think of. It's not some pipe dream or anything like that. There is a real God who really does care and really does love, and really does have all things in his hands, and he really is working all things uh, after the counsel of his will for our good and for his glory. Amen? So what a joy we have to gather together and declare that and affirm that with one another, and we're just so grateful for that. You may wonder what this is. No, I don't have the flu or anything. Um, How many of y'all can see what's coming out of here? The folks up front can see it a little bit, folks that I can't let me see. Um how about if I uh let me turn it back on? How about if I kind of hold it like this? I figure with a dark backdrop you may be able to see <laughs> a little bit a little bit more. Is anything coming up? Not not right now. It's not coming out. Now it's coming out. There we go. Can anybody see is it a little better now? Anything? Okay. Well, well what's coming out of here? Y'all y'all have had these before, especially those of you guys with uh with like the essential oils and 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 whatever, you know, Black market thing y'all do, and um, (laughs) um, (laughs) I I say that because because Annie loves me. Um, But but you you know especially during this season, uh, you know it can get dry. Uh, The heat can 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 get to you, and 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 so you you go get your oils, you go get your humidifiers, and all of these other things. How many of you guys have them running in your house uh, during this season? You know, it can get dry and all of that and you're just, I'm trying to keep myself from getting sick and, you know, I've got oil of oregano or thieves or oil or what, why is it called thieves oil? I don't know. But, but all of these other things that you have just to kind of keep things going, you know, it's interesting, the humidifier, the diffuser, you know, all of these things can teach us a lot about life. We're actually going to learn that in the book that we're about to start. They can teach us a lot about life. You know this. You may not have articulated it this way, but but you know this. Uh, You've worked really hard in school, some of you, getting a degree in a particular concentration, uh, only to find out as you graduate that there are no jobs available in that field. How many of you all know something about that? You've you've experienced that before. And so what do you do? You know, you you start going around looking for other jobs and and other fields, maybe, maybe just doing something just to pay the bills. And you do those things, and as you do those things, you wonder, why on earth did you spend all those years and all that money on something that won't immediately materialize into a career? You've felt that before. Some of you, you've met the person of your dreams. Oh my goodness, you spend every waking moment with this person. This person can do no wrong. We're going to live happily ever after. Everything is wonderful. Y'all get married and you're, just on, you're on your honeymoon and you're just like, this will never end. <laughs> yeah. Well, after a few kids, and uh, even after you've gotten your dream home and so on, you start to realize that, well, you know, kids are kids, uh, especially at that early stage when they stay up forever. Uh, or wake up in the earliest moments possible, and 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 then you get your dream home and all of a sudden you realize that that dream home is not a perfect home. You've got repairs that you've got to make, you've got appliances that break down, and all of these different things. And 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 maybe you also are working at a job and, and come to find out that that job that you're working uh, at and everything in order to provide for this family and to make sure that bills are paid and so on, now all of a sudden, they're requiring things that were not in the draw. Drop- description and now all of a sudden after hours upon hours upon hours of extra work and and perhaps not as as uh, 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 as as appropriate not as um uh, proportionate in terms of overtime pay and all these different things all of a sudden that honeymoon has come crashing down and all of a sudden y'all are getting a little snippy with one another All of a sudden, the kids that used to be so adorable are now pains in the neck. And you're wondering what happened to this beautiful picture that we had of of life, this this wonderful dream that we had that's now magically disappeared. Yeah, you know something about that. You're not going to say it in public because your kids are sitting right next to you, but I get it. I get it. Or maybe you've lived your entire life with no health issues now you're starting to reach that peak you're starting to hit that midlife and and the roller coaster that's been ascending this whole time now you've gotten to the top and well (laughs) there's only one way to go from here right uh, you know, there it goes all the way down, and all of a sudden you've got medications that you've never had to take before, blood pressure that's, that now all of a sudden you've got to count, and, and calories that all of a sudden you've got to count. You've never had to deal with that. You remember the days when you used to get a double quarter pounder, um, and you would eat it like in, you know, in 10 minutes. And, uh, and, and, and you remember those days, and now you're eating salad. <laughs> Ugh. I remember a friend of mine down in Texas that said, we don't eat the, the, uh, the food that food eats. Um, and and I, I've, I've just kind of taken that to heart. That's, that's a life uh, statement for me. But you realize this. Now all of a sudden, this, this life that used to be so easy, this body that used to be so low maintenance, now all of a sudden it's requiring a lot of things that you've never had to think of before. That's life. You've been caught off guard with politicians who you voted for. You find out that they're just as corrupt as the people they replaced. Even though they ran on campaigns saying, we're going to take out corruption. And then they get in there and, well, yeah. (laughs) Isn't that reality? Work so hard to get retirement. And then you retire. And now you don't like retirement. (laughs) You know, and now all of a sudden you're thinking about maybe picking up another job or something. Maybe it's because you're bored. Maybe you just don't like the, sed- you know, the, the sedentary life or anything like that. And on and, and, and on and on and on it goes. What is all of this? You've had these expectations of how life is going to be. You had these expectations of, of what your experiences would be. Now you go through life and you realize that things don't exactly meet up to their expectations. In sports, uh, just to let you all know, um, I'm, I'm not like uh, your, your, your Pastor Sean, um, you know, who loves teams like the Lakers and, and Duke basketball, you know, and things like that. He actually experiences joy Every once in a while, um, especially after last night, but that's a different story. Um, no, 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 no. We don't do that. Um, <laughs> we we don't cheer for devils in church. Um, but <laughs> but 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 maybe uh, you know you're you're more like me. At least I know that the teams that I root for, that will remain nameless, um, they don't win like ever. Um, and 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 we've I, I listen to sports radio back home and uh, in Maryland and and they'll talk about how there are teams who overpromise and underdeliver. You you know you know what that's about you have the, these folks that are like you know everybody is a Super Bowl contender you know in in training camp, right? We just man we just got this offensive lineman. Let me tell you that kid can block. Oh, we're, we got, we're, this is a promising season, you know, look at our punter, you know, and, and all these kinds of things, and they're just like, we've got a shot, and, and then the, the season goes, and all the hype and everything that you had in the offseason just kind of goes out the window. Uh, Panthers fans, you know about this, and, 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 and you get to, you know, the, the, the middle of the season and all the way into the end of the season, and you just go, what was that, right? How many of y'all have experienced, what was that? What was that? I thought thought this was supposed to be different. And you feel that way. You may feel that way in your relationships. You may feel that way on the job. You may feel that way with your health. You may feel that way with society. What was that? I thought it was supposed to be different. And so we come back to this thing right here, this, this diffuser. And this stuff that's coming up out of it. The stuff that's coming out of it is vapor. And what we're going to find in the book of Ecclesiastes is that all of life, all of life, can be summed up in one word. Vapor. Turn your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. As we're beginning our study in this amazing book, there may be some of you that may be wondering, why are we going into this book? Why are we going into Ecclesiastes? You know, Ecclesiastes is kind of the Eeyore of the Bible, right? Yeah, you know, thanks for noticing me. You know, it's just, <laughs> why, why are we here? The Debbie Downer, you know, of the Bible. Those of you who know the SNL skit, just a wah, wah you know, that's Ecclesiastes, you know, we're happy, we're, give me Philippians, you know, give me, give me the praise psalms, you know, or something like that, give, give me some happiness. Well, actually, you're going to be surprised, and we're, as we'll see in just a bit, you'll be surprised that, that the book is not actually as uh, uh, depressing as, as you think it is. It's, 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 it's actually, um, uh, uh, you won't need Zoloft, Uh, After after a book like this, it actually will be, you know, uh, encouraging. And I think you'll see this as we go. Um, But it is a nice cold glass of water on those of us who have unrealistic expectations of life. Perhaps you've bought into kind of the cultural myths. And Ecclesiastes is just kind of sitting there going, nah, no, nope. doesn't work that way. That's that's not a promise for anything. It doesn't guarantee anything. That's false advertising. And that's why I love this book. Because it's a book that reminds us of what is real. That in all of life, all of the things that you could put your hopes in, all the things that you could build your life on, all the things that, that, that you have uh, these massive expectations for, we'll find in the book of Ecclesiastes that really, in the end, they're just vapor. And there is only one, only one thing in all of your lives that actually has the substance and, and the firmness that you could build your life on. We'll talk about that in just a bit. Let's look at the first couple of verses, and then I'll pray. Uh, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. All right. And notice in verse 1, the words of the preacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanities of vanities, says the preacher. Vanities of vanities. All is vanity. And Let's pray that God will give us wisdom and understanding to receive this great word. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. There's a lot of mystery in this book. Certainly some things that we need to read and reread and reread because we didn't get it the first go-round. And so we need your spirit, Lord, to teach us, to speak to us through this great book of wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you would give us insight and clarity, help us to understand how to apply this book, and help us to understand how not to apply it. Help us to get not just what the book is saying, but also get what it's not saying. And Lord, that's wisdom that for the vast majority of us is, is just more than we have. And so we pray, Lord, that you would guide us and lead us, teach us. Lord, reorient our lives, that it may conform with what you give us, with the counsel that you give us in this book. And there may be some that are here, Father, that do not believe in Jesus, and thus they don't find him to be the wise teacher that he is. And so we ask, Lord, that you would open their eyes to see, as Paul would say, that Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. And I pray, Lord, that as you open their eyes, as you, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians, Lord, as you would say, let there be light, let light shine in the darkness. Lord, I pray that you would give light to their hearts, just as you've given light to ours. Lord, that we may see the glory, your glory, in the face of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for all of these things, and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we see here right at the beginning that the writer uh, is, uh, he has a big declaration. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is Vanity. Uh, the word that's used here is uh, a word that you've got to understand, okay? It is the most important word in this entire book. It's the most repeated word in this entire book. And the word is hevel. That's the Hebrew word, hevel. Y'all say that, hevel. Hevel. It's just this, it's this it just sounds like an exclamation, right? Like if you're grumbling, hevel. Right. You know, you just, it just sounds like this, like this word. What, is, what does the word mean? Well, in the uh, in English standard, it's translated vanity of vanities. In the NIV, New International Version, it's translated meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Uh, you may have some that say futile, futile. Everything is futility. You know, or everything is futile. You know, I have all these different words that are used. But actually, the word in the Hebrew just simply means vapor. This, <laughs> this right here coming out of this diffuser is Hebel. Hebel. Everything is Hebel. So, in what sense is everything like that? Well, the first thing that we realize. As he's talking about life and, and just, just kind of setting the stage for where he's going in the rest of the book, he's going to talk about life in general. He's going, to, he's going to give kind of a blanket statement on everything in life. And the first thing that he tells us right here in this verse is that everything, everything evaporates. Everything evaporates. Vapor. Vapor. Everything evaporates. Vapor, Hebel, Hebel, everything, Hebel. Well, the question we need to ask is, how does everything evaporate? And what sense is everything vapor? What does he mean by Hebel? So before we get into the rest of, of chapter one here, we just want to set the stage for what he means by this word. It is the most significant word in the book. If you don't understand this word, you're not going to get the rest of the book, Okay. There are three main things that I I, I want you to to keep in mind as we hear this word over and over and over again. Hevel, vanity, uh, futility, you know, all that. What what does this word mean? First, it's telling us that life is elusive. So I'm over here and I've got this vapor. All right, let's see if I can do this. And there it is in my hand. I have caught vapor. You want to see it? There it is. Where is it? Exactly. That's hevel. It, you you, you want to get it and ah, it's gone again. And you huh, again and ah. how many of you guys out in the cold, you get out in the early morning, especially this season, and you just, you, some of y'all, you know, you're just a kid, Right? You can, you can admit this in public. You're just a kid. You get outside, and it's, it's early enough, and you just go, <sighs> how many of you all do that? You still do that. Yeah. And, and you look at it. It's like, that's just so cool. And, and you want to grab it, right? <sighs> right? And, and you, it's gone. That's life. That's what he's saying here. Life is just like that. Now, don't give me Cordell's and so on. Don't give me the Minnesota stories, you know, of when you like that. And because it's like 100 degrees below zero, it just kind of froze and dropped to the ground. Or anything. Illustrations, okay? So, but, but life is like that. Think of this. Just some examples. Let's, let's take a look at some of these passages in Ecclesiastes. Let's look at chapter 4. Flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Look at verses 7 and 8. Listen to how he talks. Again, I saw, there's that word vanity, hevel. I saw hevel under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? You, you get the idea? He's single. Uh, He has no brother, he has no son, he has no family, and yet he's working so doggone hard. Why is he working so hard? He just needs a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit, and and at no moment does he sit back and ask himself, why am I working so hard? (laughs) Why am I a workaholic? Why am I putting in such long hours and, and all this? What am I doing all of this for? It's not like I have mouths to feed. It's not like I have, you know, a, 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 a tuition to pay for, for kids or, or anything like that. It's, it's not like I'm saving up for their college or saving up for some type of, of gift to give them, like in my will or anything. What am I doing? Why am I doing all of this? He says, yeah, that is vanity. He even says it again at the end of, of, uh, of verse 8 there. He says, this also is vanity and an unhappy business. Why are you so miserable? You know why you're so miserable? Because you have committed your life to Hevel. That's why. Yeah. How about this one? Look at chapter 5, verse 10. He says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is Hevel. When goods increase, this is the opposite of the other guy. The other guy has no mouths to feed, but notice this. This guy, verse 11, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. If I, I cannot give an amen bigger than I can for this verse. I've got teenagers and and we've actually, just this, this coming weekend, Micaiah, number three, Micaiah is going to become a teenager. Oh, this weekend, three teenagers, let me tell you. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. (laughs) It doesn't even make it to the fridge in this house, you know, without them just coming like, 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 like raptors in Jurassic Park, just, you know, and they just come and attack. And oh my goodness, I see it all the time. Yeah, they, they increase who eat them and what advantage has their owner, but to see them with his eyes, he's just standing there watching as all the groceries are getting devoured. Just going. I just. I just got here. I haven't even taken my coat off, and, <laughs> and already we're out of a gallon of milk. What is going on here? You know, and all of that is happening. Yeah, you have all these folks who are who are working and working and working, and what do they have to show for it? Hebel, it's elusive. What are you working for? I just want to have some time to sit back and relax. Right. I just want some time where I can enjoy the stuff that I've got. I want to have some time where I can just, I can just live a little, but that time never comes. Or when it comes, it's never quite as satisfying as you thought it would be. Hell, hell. Not only is it elusive, but it's also enigmatic. So again, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this vapor here. And as I'm looking at it, I'm noticing that it it doesn't really have any type of shape. It's just kind of, right? Just all over the place. You know, and everything. And he's like, life is like that. There is order to the world, but things don't always fit the order. There's structure, but things don't always go the way that 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 we uh, expect it to be. Just like life is elusive and so we can't control it, it's enigmatic and so we can't always comprehend it. Look at chapter one. Go back to chapter one. As you look at chapter one, uh, look at how he talks in verses 16 and following. He says, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom. Surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and, and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know mad, madness and folly. And I perceived that this also is but a striving after wind. I'm trying to, I'm trying to contain the wind. I'm trying to understand. It doesn't make sense sense. Why? He says in verse 18, for in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. (laughs) It's funny, when I read a a verse like this, the first thing that comes to my mind is Twitter. I remember, I was one of the early adopters of Twitter. I remember when it came out, and I was just like, man, this is cool. You know, I, I I have the ability to know what other people are thinking at any moment in time? Sweet. And so here I was, you know, whatever that time was, uh, 2000 something. I get on, you know, Twitter and everything and I'm, and, and it was just weird things. You, know, I'm having, you know, a piece of toast right now. Man, thank you. That's amazing. I am too. Wow. Yeah. And what has happened? Well, as time has gone by, all of a sudden we realize, we really don't need to know everything that's going on in people's minds these days, right? The more we know, the more we go, oh no, (laughs) this is life. The more you know, the harder it is to understand. The more you know, the more complex it is. The more you know, the more you realize what you don't know. And that's how life is. Life is an enigma. Uh, You can go to chapter 7. Check this out. Look at chapter 7. And in chapter 7, beginning of verse, uh, or or, uh, actually just look at verse 14. Look what he says. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. You're in a a great moment. We ask you how you doing. You're like, you know, I'm actually doing great. This is a wonderful season. Well, the God who gave you that wonderful season is the same God that can completely turn it all on its head. You, you could be driving home, having you know, just the best day of your life, and, and something crazy could happen. This actually happened to me uh, uh, just a, few, a little bit ago. It was the first day of class, first day of class, and I left the house early, and I was all excited. I'm like, wow, this is going great. And I go over to a coffee shop right over by the seminary called Black and White, and I, I go over there inside the, the coffee shop, and, and there was a guy that was in front of me, and he said... Hey, uh, I don't know what I want right now. Do you want to go in front of me? I would love to go in front of you. Thank you. And so here I am now at the front of the line. As I'm listening to the music, they're playing in the coffee shop, DC Talk's Jesus Freak album. If you know, you know. And, and, and I'm just like, this is the best day ever. I'm asking them for coffee. They give me my coffee. Obviously I'm the only one, you know, in line. And so they don't have anybody to wait on. And, and this is great. I get over, I'm walking to my car and I'm just like, thank you, Lord. This is like the greatest first day of school that I have ever. Ever had in all of the years of being a student of being a teacher, wonderful and I get into my two thousand and one Chevy Malibu, which by the way is older than my marriage um, and and I go in there and here 's this thing: my car has this theft system uh, there, and every once in a while i 'll turn on the car and and my you know my, my car's got Alzheimer's and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't exactly remember me. And so when I turn it on, it just kind of stalls and then it blinks in the corner, theft system, theft system, theft system, like that. And the only way to turn that off is to wait for 10 to 15 minutes before the light stops blinking, turn the car off, turn it back on, and then it works. Guess who was late to his first day of class? That would be me. Yeah, as the, the 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 period of joy and excitement and all of that, right after a period of adversity. Lord, why? I was so happy. <laughs> I was in a good mood. Everything was going great. Lord, why? Why did that happen? So that, as he says here, man may not find out anything that will be after him. Which is God. Which is Ecclesiastes' way of saying God just wants to keep you on your toes, right? Never totally settle. Never totally get comfortable. Never get to a position, if I may say, never get to a position where you forget who's running this thing. And that's why he has it. It's an enigma. I try to understand it. I don't understand it. Everything was going great and everything turns. Why did that happen? I don't know. Man, just put the car in pause for just a second, and just uh, for those of you who love knowing everything and love having all the answers to everything, Ecclesiastes is just ice water on your head (laughs) because he's just going to be real and say, you're not going to know everything. You're not going to know everything. You won't have the answers to everything that happens. There are times in ministry Trust me, over the, the, the 20 some odd years that, that the Lord has, has, has been uh, putting me in, in local church settings and contexts and so on, seminary life and all of these different things where people have come to me with serious, serious things that have happened to them in life and I have no answer. I have no idea why you're going through that season, this season right now. I have no idea why the Lord took that from you. I have no idea why the Lord gave that to you. I have no idea what is going on. And Ecclesiastes says, if that's the way you feel, you're in good company. In fact, it's the way you should feel. God will answer some of your questions. But God is under no obligation to answer all of your questions. Sometimes you just have to say, I don't know. I just don't know. Life is elusive. Life is enigmatic. And then also, life is expiring. You can't control life because it's elusive. You can't comprehend everything of life because it's it's, it's enigmatic. Uh, You can't keep it all because it's expiring. Sounds like that Geico commercial with the ant. Expired. Expired expired. That's what life is like. You enjoy it, you love it, and then it's gone. You get into school and you're all excited about about the school year, all excited about the semester, and then you blink and the semester's over. You have your kids and, oh my goodness, just watching them take their first steps and all of a sudden they're driving. And you just go, what just happened? You know, it just, I blinked and, all of life just went right by. That's how it is. You start to become like me, where, where you're at home and you're watching your old home videos and you're, you're just blubbering through the entire thing because it felt like it was just yesterday. But reality is, no, that was like 15 years ago. <laughs> it goes fast but, and it, it expires. These moments don't last. Check out chapter 2. Uh, Turn to chapter 2. And as you look at it, you see here in uh, verse 12, uh, he said, So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. And then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. And then I said, in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is hell. You work really hard to make all the right choices in life. You work really hard to make sure that you're living life well. You're listening to wise counsel. You're you're saving your money, not spending it all left and right. Uh, you're, 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 You're living frugally. You're living responsibly. You're living wisely in this life, only to die just like the idiot. Yeah. Why? Because, well, that's life. (laughs) You have folks who live a long life, but then they still die. Everyone does. Life under the sun, everything is vapor. Again, I look at this vapor, and I see it, and then I don't see it. With this thing right here, it's right about at this point. Right? So it's going up and it's going up strong, but then it gets to this point and it just kind of, and it's gone. It's here and then it's not. It evaporates. Yeah. The first thing that he wants to show us in, this, in life is that everything evaporates. It's elusive. It's enigmatic. It's expiring. Why? Why is it like that? Well, I give uh, four reasons why. Uh, Ecclesiastes will teach us why life is like that. One it's like that by design. It's like that by design. As we we already saw in one passage that God is the one who made it this way. Uh, Look at another one in chapter 3. Turn over to chapter 3. Look at verses 9 through 11. The preacher says, What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He made everything in its, uh, everything beautiful in its time. Note, God is in control of the times and the seasons of life. He has done that. Also, he's put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So he's put this longing in our hearts for eternity. Why do we want things to last? Because we were made to want things to last. Why do we wish that things would go on forever? Because we were made that way. God created us with eternity in our hearts. And so we all have this longing that things just won't end, that the good times never end, but that they just keep on rolling on and on and on. That's what we want in life. And yet God also is the one who designed the limitations. As he says here, you do not know what God has done from the beginning to the end. So there's this longing for eternity that God has put in us and he's made us that way. And yet there are also these God given limitations that we have too. I am not omniscient. I'm not. I'm not omnipotent. I'm not a, a omnipresent. I can't be everywhere all the time. I, don't, I can't know everything there is to know. I'm not able to do everything that I want to do. You know the athletes, say like a Tom Brady just recently, uh, where you, you finally get to a point where it's just like, I can't do what I want to do. I want I want to go out and I want to crush and I just can't because I'm 45 years old. Uh, I think Brady's 45, 46 or so years old. And and he's just realizing that the closer he gets to 50, the less of a possibility it is that he's going to be able to be the Tom Brady that we all know and love. <laughs> love is a loose term. But, but but you know what I mean. Um and so, you know, he realizes that. He's not able to do all of those things. You're not God. God made you that way. So some of the hebel of life is by, is by design. I love to say that before the fall, in the Garden of Eden, uh, before the fall, Adam was not able to fly. Do you ever think about that? Before the fall, Adam needed to sleep. So that tells us that there are some limitations to your humanity that are not the result of sin. But there are limitations in your humanity because that's the way God made you. He made you that way. That's who you are. So so some of it is by design. Some of it is by, of course, by depravity. Look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. He says, again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. He even goes on and says, I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. And this also is vanity and a striving after the wind. You see what he's saying here? You, you want to enjoy life, but unfortunately there are people that are out in this world that will sin against you. There are people that will, that will stab you in the back. There are people that will betray you. There are people that will, that will smile in your face and then start working and conniving and all of that to make sure that you never succeed in this life. You will have people that were really, really close to you that will, that will just leave and abandon you. You will have folks who promise you a job and then have zero intention on giving you that job and just on and on and on you see these ways that people sin against other people and that creates a hebel lifestyle as well there are things that are by design it's the way that God made us and then there are things that are just here because we are sinners living in a sinful world and you realize the uh, the consequences of those sins leads to the limitations uh, of life. Not only that, but, but the, uh, things evaporate by, <laughs> they're not sins. It's not that you're a sinner, it's just that you're simply a doofus. And, uh, and you just made a really bad choice in life, right? It wasn't that it, that it was a sin to do this, it was just a bad choice. You know? uh, look at chapter 5. Chapter 5, beginning of verse th- 13. He says, there's a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun, Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. Okay, Maybe he was, you know, he heard the Powerball. <laughs> he heard how, how, how high the number was for, for Powerball and just thought, you know what, I'm going I'm to I'm do this. Or, or maybe next week he's going to bet on the Super Bowl. And he's like, you know, I've got, and I'm not even going to tell because I have no idea who's going to win, but, but I've got, you know, uh, the Chiefs or I've got Eagles, and I'm going to put my whole life savings on that. And what happens? The team that he thought was going to lose actually wins, or the team that he thought was going to win actually loses, and he lost all of those savings, And so what happens? He says, he's a father of a son in verse 14. He has nothing in his hand. And as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? There was a church uh, that's been working on a building project. They're out in the Elkin Valley. Uh, I know them very well. Uh, Some of the folks on staff are good friends of mine. And they lost, uh, from a scam, from an email scam, they lost uh, about half of the money that they raised for their building project. And that half was close to $800,000. There was a company that came uh, that they've been working with. The company uh, said, "Hey, this is the money that we need upfront and all of that." Uh, they were about to give that. They got another email, and that email apparently sounded very much like the legit email. They got that email and they paid them thinking that they were paying the actual company. The company comes over to them and says, Hey, we haven't gotten uh, your your down payment yet. Is everything okay? And they're saying, What do you mean? We gave you that. We just paid it. We can show you all the paperwork and everything. Uh, It was a scam. It was a scam. $800,000. Hebel. Hebel. They weren't wrong. They, they, they didn't do, do anything you know, on, on their part. It was just one choice that led to all of this. Some of you have experienced things like that. Just Something that you thought was the right choice, and then now you look back and you go, man, I don't know if I should have done that. It looked good in the moment, but now with a little bit of age and a little bit of experience, a little bit of wisdom, you go, hmm, maybe that wasn't the best choice that, that we should have made. Hebel. Yeah. And then lastly, things evaporate by death. And we've seen that already. It evaporates by death. But this is the world that we live in. And Ecclesiastes is going to be honest with you. He's going to say, hey, this is life. This is reality. This is who, this is what life is like. This is how things are. And so let's go back to chapter one and, and, and let's uh, look a little bit more at, at this, uh, this life of Hebel that he's talking about. As he sets this up for the rest of the book. Back in chapter 1. We learned that everything evaporates. And we kind of develop that a little bit. That everything evaporates. But now he's going to lead to a couple more things. He says here uh, not only that everything evaporates. But because everything evaporates. Everything is just exhausting. Some of you all have felt that. Especially over the last couple of years. You felt that exhaustion that comes with life. Look what he says in verse 3. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? That's a good question to keep. If you guys are doodlers or highlighters or scribblers in your Bible, you might want to put a star or something there because he's going to come back to that question over and over and over again. What do you gain from all the toil with which you toil under the sun? What do you gain from this? And now he's going to look at The world. He's going to pan back and just look at how the world runs, both in nature and in society. Look what he says, verse 4 A generation goes, they they die off, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Note, we just keep going and coming, going and coming, going and coming. We bury, and, and as soon as these folks are buried, these folks are born. These folks are buried, these folks are born. And you notice, we never run out of anything in the world. There's still land, right? There's still water. There's still all these different things. Every once in a while you have a season of drought or a season of famine or all of that, but it's a season. It's all still here. So you go, well, we're over here consuming and consuming and consuming. The world's got to somehow take care of the world's population, and, and yet there's always stuff <laughs> so what is the gain then you know in terms of all the world if there's always stuff to be had and there's always people to be born after that he goes what do you what's the gain of all of this what's the advantage of all of this he keeps on going the sun rises and the sun goes down and it hastens to the place where it rises It may make you go well then what was the point of rising in the first place if you're just going to set and then you're going to come right back up in the next day, why don't you just stay up, you know? Or, or why don't you just realize the monotony of it all and just stay down? Uh, why does the sun never call in sick, you know, and just go, I'm tired of this life, <laughs> you know? It's just monotonous. He goes on, the wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Round and round goes the wind, and on its circuit, the wind returns. It just keeps going. He's like, what's up with that? All streams run to the sea, but the sea's not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. He's just like, what is up with this? And he, he goes on in verse 8 as kind of the cap of this. He says, all things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing. On and on and on it works. You know, On and on we go. You all know this in your own lives. You you wake up and, and you wash up and you eat a, a bite to eat and then you get in your car you go off to work or go off to school and, and you do your thing and then you come out of there and, and you go through uh, traffic and rush hour and all that and you get home and you eat a little dinner, watch a little TV, hang with the family and then you go to bed and you wake up and you rinse and repeat, right? Just on and on and on doing the same Groundhog Day over and over and over again. Right, um, or if you know the the old uh, group, the Talking Heads, when 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 they just ask the question over and over and over again, same as it ever was, same as it ever was, same as it ever was, just talking about how mundane life is. You just keep going through all of this, and he's just asking a question, just stepping back and saying, "What's the point? Like, what do you gain from all this work? What do you gain from all this toil?" He says, it just looks like it's exhausting to live like this. Well, not only is it all exhausting, but the sad thing is it's all erasable, too. It's all erasable. Look what he says in verse 9. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. Let me tell you, if I see another Light Bright commercial... Where they have these folks going, light, bright, light, bright. And I'm going, guys, that, no, 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 no. Don't you act like that's a new idea. You know, that's my generation with that. Or all these little remakes and stuff, Transformers remakes, you know, or Ninja Turtles coming back, or all these different things. And these little kids who have no sense of history, you know, are just going around going, oh my goodness, this is sweet. Have you ever seen, yes, I saw this. I saw it 30 years ago. I, it was our generation that invented that, you know, and all this, but it's new, right? It's new. There's this, we, we see this in sports all the time. Is this person the greatest of all time? Like we just forgot that Bill Russell won like 11 championships, you know, in the NBA. But this, but this guy comes over here and wins one title and now he is up there among the greats. Do you have no sense of history You see what I'm saying? It's new to us. What happens? Look at what he says in verse 11. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Why are they having this conversation of this being the newest and the greatest and all of that? Because they forgot what came before. Newsflash, as he's saying here, they will forget about you too. You may not have any clue... The names of your uh, of your great great grandparents. My kids got the opportunity to meet their great great grandmother, my granny, my great grandmother, uh, before she passed at uh, 97 years old. They got to see her. Um, but granny, I call her granny. Uh, granny's the only great grandparent that I knew. The others were gone. I knew I knew their names, but that was it. I didn't hear any stories about them or, or anything. Their parents, I have no idea. One day you may be the great-great-grandparent, and they won't know your name. They literally cannot are not here except for you. <laughs> right? You are very much a reason that they exist, and yet they won't know who you are. They won't know your name. The company you're working at, they won't remember you. I work at Southeastern and we go to the campus and we have all these buildings that have people's names on them. And unless we talk about those names, nobody will remember them except for the fact that their name is on the building. That's it. All of this is erasable. You work, you you do something to make a difference in the world, and then you leave this world, and you're forgotten. So now that we've been thoroughly encouraged by the Book of Ecclesiastes, (laughs) you go. Some of you are going. Are we seriously going to be in this book for how long? Um, Oh my goodness! Lord, help us all. Um, No, this is reality. Remember, he's he's doing this so that you to correct these these unrealistic expectations that you may have for life. He's doing this to fix your eyes on reality. But there's one more part here that I think is very important to his his message here in the book. And that is that even with all of this, everything evaporates, everything's exhausting, everything is erased, and yet, we can still enjoy life. We can still enjoy Life. Two reasons. Well, we can still enjoy life when we embrace God's rule. L- look, look at the end of the book. Just look at the, the last few verses in the book. And you see this thread in here over and over again. Uh, in, my, in my notes here, I've got different passages to go to it, but, but we'll just look at that last passage, last, last couple verses. He says, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, and with every secret thing, whether good or evil. What's the end of the matter? What's the the end of the story? Where's all this heading? Fear God, keep his commandments. That's the substance. Everything else is Hebel. The only thing that will remain in this life is fearing God and keeping his commandments. Recognizing that he's in control of everything. Recognizing that he puts the expiration dates on everything. Recognizing that he's in charge of the good times and the bad times. He's in charge of my limitations. He's in charge of all of the things that are Hebel in this life. And yet when I trust in him focus on him, set my gaze on him and say, Lord, I can't make sense of life, but I can make sense of one thing, you're God and I'm not. And so I'm going to trust in you. I yield to your rule and your sovereignty in my life. He says, that's the only thing that will matter. That is in fact, the whole duty of man. God has worked all of your life. Good times and bad times, happy times, sad times, great times, depressing times. All of those things so that you would recognize in the joys and in the sorrows of life that he is God and you are not. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. He's the one that you will spend all of eternity with either with him as your king and your father or with him as your judge and so on. You will stand before him and have to give an account for your life. And the question is, did you fear him? Did you worship him as the one true living God? Did you trust in him and his wisdom? Or did you try to put life in your hands and try to squeeze some type of other significance out of this Hebel life? One day you're going to stand before him and he's not going to say, how much did you know and all this? He's going to say, did you worship me? Did you trust me? Not only do we embrace God's rule, but note, we enjoy his gifts over and over again. In chapter two, in chapter three, in chapter five, in chapter eight, you see this refrain over and over and over again. We'll see it in chapter two. Let's look at chapter two and just look at how how the chapter ends. After all of this, he says this over and over and over again in the book. He says, there is nothing better, verse 24, for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, he gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he gives, the, bus- he gives uh, uh, the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Note, he's saying the only thing that we can do is enjoy this life as a gift from God. God has given us this life full of limitations, full of imperfections, full of all these different things. And he's done it for you to enjoy. Not for you to wallow and be depressed and miserable because it's not what you hoped it would be. Rather, he says, recognize it as it is and see that it as it is is a gift from God. And you're able to enjoy it. And you're able to to rest in it and rest in him and say, it's not everything, but it's good enough because it's come from the hand of God. Yeah. The Lord wants you to have joy in this life. And Ecclesiastes, the preacher of heaven, is also the preacher of joy. This joy is found, as we see here, only when we live our lives under the rule of Christ. When we see Him as the one who is working in this fallen world, this imperfect world. And we see as he's working through all of this that it's pointing somewhere. It's pointing to a day when the hevel of this life will finally be done away with. When the limitations and the, and the pains and the sorrows and the frustrations of this life will finally be done away with. When God will, as it says in Revelation, wipe every tear from our eyes. And as he says in chapter 22, he is going to make all things new. Right now, it's it's a struggle. (laughs) Right now, things don't always go the way we want it to go. Things don't always meet our expectations, but there's gonna come a day when the Lord is gonna make all things new and the world that he is remaking will go above and beyond all of your expectations. That day is coming. Until then, we must fear him and keep his commandments as we shrug along in this vain, hebel life. That's what he's saying. So, for all of us, as we live this life, as this may be your, your uh, health, as this may feel like your family, or may feel like you know, your coworkers, or may feel like all of these different things that we're going to see in the book of Ecclesiastes, realize that as this is fading away and passing away, There's coming a day when our Lord is going to make all things new. And in that day, it won't fade away like vapor. But in that day, his kingdom will remain forever. So let's live this vain life. Let's live in the vapor together. (laughs) Encouraging one another. uh, Continuing to keep one another focused on our God. Until he comes again and makes all things new. And all that is vain in this life will be replaced with only His kingdom and His glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, I ask that you would indeed work in each one of us, Lord. We need your help. This is an amazing book with amazing wisdom, and yet at the same time, Lord, it, it, it's 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 real and it's frank. It talks to us about our struggles, it talks to us about our imperfections, it, it talks to us about uh, some of the things that perhaps we've uh, struggled with in our own lives, things that have depressed us, uh, things that have wearied us, and Lord we thank you that you are teaching us and giving us the wisdom here to see uh, that we're not crazy. But this is exactly the way that the world is, but it's not the way that it will always be. But There's coming a day when you are going to make all things new. And when you do, all the tears will be gone. All the hell will be done away with. And there will only be Christ and his glory in his kingdom forever. So, Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom That we may walk faithful, fearing you and keeping your commandments, trusting in Jesus, our Savior and our King. We thank you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name.